Hello and welcome to episode 139 of the True Achievements podcast. I'm Dave and today I am joined by Jack. Hello. Hello. And and again, he's here all the time now. Ollie, hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Busy week. It seems like it's been a bit of a, a mental week for Xbox and News in general, there's some massive things happened this yeah. past week. Uh, before we get into all that good stuff, last week we asked for some feedback from yourselves to let us know about some changes to the format that we could possibly think of doing. So thank you to everybody who got in touch over Twitter or commented in the podcast story on site. We've taken into account some of the ones that are easy to do straight away, like I, I think a a general consensus was stop reading big long lists like the achievement lists and what's coming up this week and things like that. So we've cut them out today. We'll try and get more feedback and sort of like figure it all out over the next few shows and try and land somewhere where you guys and girls are happy with what we're doing and we're happy with it all. So thanks for all that. And again, if you have more feedback, let us know. We'll be happy to see what you think. The big thing this week, obviously is Forza Horizon 4. The streaming embargo dropped for it last Friday, so we did a stream. The review embargo lifted on Tuesday, so we've got a review up. We've all played it. Ultimate Edition is now available for people as well, isn't it? So anybody that showed out on that can, yeah. can be playing it now. I noticed the players jumped from like 370-odd yesterday to thousand and three hundred this morning so a lot of people are getting up early mm-hmm. or maybe pulling all-nighters to, <laughs> to play it, i guess um we've all played it though jack you probably played it more than ollie mm-hmm. yeah if you want my thoughts they're on the site so read the review don't <laughs> do that instead of making me talk about it. but what what you thought so far how you're finding it enjoying um, not liking i i think it's incredible to be honest i was always expecting something great and in, but in the back of my head, I had this thought with Forza Horizon 3 being very good. I didn't know what they were really going to do and how they could iterate on that and improve. But it, it seems like they have, which yeah. is uh, pretty cool. So they've swapped, a, like kind of changed around the format of some of the things in it, um, changed how some of the events and stuff work. And it, it just plays really well. And seasons do change everything. They do, don't they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> They definitely changed how well you grip the road, that's for sure. Mm. In winter, I was sliding about all over the place constantly. The odd thing for me so far is, I know Jack noticed this yesterday, so the the seasons change every week. When we were playing it early and reviewing it and things, it was autumn. Mm-hmm. So naturally, you, you assume that Wednesday, it's going to be every Wednesday that the, the season flips, that this week would be winter, but mm. they've gone to summer. Yeah, well, I mentioned that, and I, I kind of went, oh, because uh, one of the barn finds we were looking for for a specific achievement was a summer barn find. And I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have to wait four weeks for that to kind yeah. of roll around. And then suddenly, yesterday, I managed to find it, um, which was good. But it is worth noting, um, it, we didn't start off in four seasons straight away. So when you're a brand new player to the game, there is a kind of six or seven hour prologue, and that gives you a nice kind of one and a half two hour taste of each of the seasons 
um, one after the other. So you do you have an initial race that flips between all of the seasons, then it dumps you into I think it's spring first of all. Can't quite remember. I think it's um, autumn you start with, isn't it? Ah, yeah, it could be autumn. You're in the McLaren right at the beginning, and it's autumn, if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah, so it kicks you off in one of the initial seasons, and then you do a couple of races in that, earn some influence, and when your influence reaches a certain level, that's kind of the equivalent of a fans in Forza Horizon 3, it then unlocks a showcase event for you you'll complete that showcase event and that'll progress you into the next season so it's kind of like mini seasons for the prologue and then after that you get into kind of a proper game slash end game i'd say and you progress through the seasons with everybody else in proper time so you have a week of um, summer then a week of another season after that which could be any season seemingly apart from summer again. <laughs> so I see. So it doesn't actually pick the next actual no. season that would happen. Okay. Maybe mm. it will do. Maybe they decided, you know, that autumn thing was like pre-release and now it's going to go in harder. Yeah. Now that it's probably available could be, but it just seemed a bit odd that it switched like that. Um, but I th- there's some things that I think they've done really, really well in the game. Like if you, you know what you're going to get with a Forza Horizon game. The driving's going to be brilliant. It's going to look gorgeous. There's going to be loads of cars, all unique handling and all that kind of stuff. But the influence thing isn't now just like the XP was just purely for driving, you know, finishing races, mm-hmm. doing speed traps and things like that in Forza Horizon 3. It's like the influence now spreads across everything in the game. So if if you're one of these people who really loves making designs for cars and stuff like that. Cause I know there's a massive community of people just like that aspect of the game and, you know, making different designs for people to download. And some of them are really in depth, like crazy, crazy time must be spent. Like you can get rewarded for all that kind of stuff. Now in game, get rewarded for just like what, even watching on mixer. If you watch on mixer, I think you get like 500 influence and streamers get a bit of a, boost so that i thought that was really cool you can kind of play the game however you want and still progress mm-hmm. the online i think is it's like a miracle <laughs> how yeah. well it works it's really and nice it's, it's just seamless isn't it so yeah. I, yeah. I booted up the game the other night i didn't know dave was on and then suddenly it popped up in the corner oh dave's joined your game and then he joined my convoy and then suddenly he was on the map for no loading screens for any of us at all we just kind of drove over to each other, met up, and then started doing cooperative races together. Yeah, in like three, it was like you had to back out to a whole other mm-hmm. game mode. So you had to quit the game and load into the online bit and then invite people that way. And they'd have to back out and quit. And this is just absolutely seamless. It's like you don't even stop your car, you just continue driving. And, and even you if you're in a convoy with somebody, it, almost, it sends that out as an invite. So you can invite everybody that's on the server or just your convoy. And if somebody in your convoy doesn't accept, um, I've never actually tried this, but I guess it'll just take in the people that have accepted. Yeah. And you'll be able to race with just those people instead. So if somebody else wants to go off and do something else, they're kind of looking for a barn find or some smash boards. They can keep doing that if they want to. It also works really well in terms of like if you, it's online, but if the server goes down, it just sends you to the solo version. These yeah, I was going to say again, that. You don't need a uh, gold to play it technically, do you? Because you can just play the game on on your own. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. It's quite cool. 
I think the online, the always online aspect of it is like the biggest, one of the biggest changes for me. Done in a really good way as, as well that I know when they said that it was going to be online, a lot of people immediately thought, oh, do you know, I'm going to have to play with people or do you know, people are going to be idiots and start crashing into me. But if if you just play the game and you're online, it's up to you if you want to participate or not. You'll just get a tiny little notification above your minimap if people are inviting you to races and things. So you can completely ignore that. Mm-hmm. Every other player in the game, as soon as you get nearby to them, they, they just ghost, so they can't bump into you or or knock you off your route or anything like that. So it's it's totally up to you if you want to get involved in all that stuff or not. Uh, one of the other big things we've introduced are the Forzathon events. Yeah. So these are similar to Burnout Paradise in a way, and you'll get a big timer on them. Rather than picking a specific event, there's a big um, airship that appears in the sky, and it'll kind of say there's an event starting in five minutes. Everybody congregates at that location, and then it will give you a location nearby to get to with a task to complete. So it might be a speed camera and you've all got to drive by as a team and accumulate a certain amount of speed past it with each time you set off a camera, your speed being added onto that total. Or it might be a drift section and you've got to accumulate so many drift points or um, a super jump where you need to jump <laughs> and get so much distance. That looks cool when there's like 30 people all just crashing off this huge jump and then driving back up to do it again <laughs> yeah it's, it's really good then it works um, really well and from that you earn forza fun points and that leads into some of the new kind of a emote system and cars cars that you can buy and stuff like that so the forza fun points are independent of your credits and there's a store that has items that switch around every few days and they're generally more specialist yeah, cars and um, limited edition. Well, I say limited edition, but limited T-shirts or remotes, and you can spend those points on that. It, it's kind of like the driving version of Destiny, in it. Like in Destiny, you get like the public events just suddenly happening. Everybody suddenly ignores doing the little solo missions and stuff, and everybody dashes over to that point. It's, it's like that, it's, but it, it just works really well because you'll be you'll be racing and doing all your own stuff and all. So it's like, oh, it's like hourly, isn't it? So every hour you'll get this notification. It's like, oh, mm. we're going to do that. And they probably take, what, about, I think you get a time limit of 15 minutes, but generally I think I've been done within 10 at the most, like yeah. in all of them, because that many people are doing it. Generally speaking, I think it's just a, a pretty special game. Like this, I can't find a fault in it. Obviously, I like driving games, so that helps. Yeah, I think my only quirk I've came across with it so far was the team adventure stuff. Um, there didn't seem to be a way to easily exit that once you were in. Yeah, true. It's kind yeah. of chucked you through into a new lobby. It was like Battlefield 4 um, with the yeah. operation stuff. You just couldn't get out of it. Once you were in, you were in. That was it. <laughs> Um, but I don't know if that's something that will change. We um, they haven't introduced the ranked team stuff yet. I don't think, or they no. should have just introduced it. Yeah, should hopefully. so hopefully that will tweak some things. Yeah, I think I was a bit blown away by it as well. And I definitely I'm not a driving game person at all. But it's as you say, it's so well done. I think but, one of the great things. So even if you're not a driving game person, it's not a game you'd usually pick up and play. You have so much choice in the way you can play it. 
you can tweak your difficulty you can you can just tweak everything to how you want it so i mean i race with manual gears and stuff like that but if you just want a bit of fun you can put it in automatic you can turn the ai down to the easiest possible and just drive around and kind of experience the british countryside yeah <laughs> take it all in yeah and it's got one of them uh like the old older call of duty multiplayer games where it's like you've got that instant gratification where there's just stuff popping up on your screens and you you've done this great you've earned mm. something this is great you've earned something all that kind of I think stuff. that's key to make it kind of making me want to get back on it and play. <laughs> even if you're on it for kind of five minutes or so, it feels like you've accomplished something because you'll either hit a smash board or you'll get some uh, some points to spend on your car for car masteries. So that's another thing that's changed. So the perks, rather than being over the top to your profile, it's car specific now. Yeah. And, and I've noticed as well, car to car, the perks you can unlock varies as well. Mm, yes. They're not all the same perks. Like for each car, they'll, some will do a different thing that you can unlock. They all kind of suit the cars to some extent, I think, don't they? Like cars that you can kind of get long skill chains in, mm-hmm. stuff like that. You can get perks which are specialized for that, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. And I think uh, another kind of change in this one was the introduction of some character customization stuff and that feeds into a house system so you can buy houses around the map and with the houses they almost become fast travel points in a sense um, but there are other kind of perks and abilities you can get but in your house you can customize your character you can change for a t-shirt uh, you have emotes um, so it's kind of replicating some of the functionality from games like Fortnite and stuff like that and you've got victory emote and a showboating emote you can pick those independently. Uh, but that all builds into the wheel spin. So the wheel spins in the old game, it just used to be either credits or car. And the credits you'd then use to buy a car. <laughs> yeah, true. Whereas now you've got credits, cars, um, T-shirts, kind of hats, glasses, whatever you want for your character and emotes. As well, so it feels yeah. like there's more you can get. And th- This is where me and you differ a lot because I tried to make my my character look as cool as possible. <laughs> Whereas Jack just gets the most ridiculous item of everything he can find. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some, like, some red brogues, some white leather trousers, a nice leather or leopard skin jacket. And I, uh, I had a golden cowboy hat. <laughs> nice. You're doing the YMCA as your victory uh, dance as well, aren't you? Yep. Very nice. <laughs> A thing as well that I know a lot of people like from, say, in Forza Horizon 3, you'd see a lot of Australians like commenting saying, you know, can't believe how accurate the world is and, you know, all these little details that are like so Australian. And and driving around now that it's in Britain and just seeing all these crazy little things like the wheelie bins and the, yeah. the big, bigger... <laughs> Bigger wheelie bins outside, like shops and things like and that. Phone boxes, the triangular road signs instead. If you're cheap, yeah. yeah. And I went past. I drove past somewhere last night when I was doing it, and there was just uh, like a triangle of road cones. Just look there, seemingly they're doing nothing. And I was like, that so reminds me of every time I get on a busy road, just <laughs> cones, cones with nobody working at all the stuff. Yeah, the world's brilliant done that they've nailed that there was um a digital foundry video that jack linked me to the other day where they were talking about how accurate the world is and stuff and it 
yeah it seems like a really good representation of so they were talking about how they actually mapped the kind of surface so obviously it's a reimagining of the uk um, but for forza horizon 3 they got some dm data which is basically satellite mapping data and they could get that down to 30 meters that's the smallest um, scale they could get it in that allowed them to kind of get the level of the terrain and the height of it and make a true representation but for britain they could get it down to five meters which has given them some really accurate data and it's paid off because it feels like you're driving through proper british countryside you've kind of got rolling hills and yeah yeah and there's definitely a lot more verticality about the world like when you get like into the top right or mid top center of the map it's like supposed to be the highlands i guess and you can you kind of looking down on the rest of the world and it just looks massive <laughs> it looks crazy but yeah my review i gave it a five out of five have you rated it on site yet jack uh i haven't but i it's definitely a five out of five for me ollie from your brief time with it do i join the five out of five club yeah um uh, 4.5. 4.5. What's wrong with it? I think um, I was going to bring this up is just that I feel like Forza has got a bit of a danger into falling into the same kind of trap that Call of Duty has fallen into mm-hmm. in that the base game is good. Like the driving mechanics are good. But like how much can you really like – Obviously, you can change all, lots of other stuff about the game, but the base of the game is basically the same game. You know what I mean? And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that how much can they iterate on it and make it sufficiently different every time before it just becomes like Call of Duty or something? Do you know what I mean? I'm with you, but I, I thought that about after three, like three, I thought it was amazing. I was like, they can't really make this any better do you want to switch a location and that's it type thing but like i don't know they just found all these little things that i never even knew i wanted mm-hmm. <laughs> i managed to include them but it does bring on to uh, some kind of questions we've had around Forza horizon for that kind of link into what you're saying mm-hmm. yeah we did have a couple of questions and we've kind of changed up the order a bit so that we can address questions when we're talking about the topic which is another little change we've made yeah we've got one from stanley and he says with the blizzard mountain dlc in forza horizon 3 which is obviously like a snowy version of uh forza horizon 3 or a snowy dlc (laughs) um uh, and we've got seasons in four do you guys see the various seasons being included as a core component of the future dlc for the game uh, or do you think the future DLC will be something like the Hot Wheels, where it's just a completely different uh, experience and there's not really seasons taken into account at all? It's a fairly interesting question, I think. I, they could go either way with it, couldn't they, really? I think it would yeah. be a bit of a cop-out if they didn't have the seasons in the DLC. Do you think? Mm. Yeah. yeah. The Others made sense because it was kind of like a, a summer holiday. <laughs> so in Forza Horizon 2 they did the Storm Islands so obviously that's just lots and lots and lots of rain mm-hmm. <laughs> mountain snow they, I, I can't see them adding something in like you know extreme weather or like earthquakes or anything daft like that but you never know mm-hmm. uh, one thing I think they could do is compared to 
other games in the series, I don't think there's as many kind of built-up areas and stuff like that. Uh, I think part of that's intentional because there's lots of greenery in England as well, but it wouldn't surprise me to do some kind of city-based stuff. Do you know, like it, it seems big to me that they've not done, you know, like London or Birmingham or Manchester or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, how would se- seasons wouldn't really make that much of a... D- I guess they would kind of change it up a little bit in a city, but it's more... I think in the countryside, you can notice the seasons changing a lot more. Yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, especially with kind the, of rivers and bodies of water that ice over that you can then get traction on, stuff like that. Yeah. But even the sheep, the sheep, have you noticed the sheep in the summer, the the wool is shorter than <laughs> it was in art. I can't <laughs> say I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, there's all these tiny details, but yeah, the DLC is something. I, I hope they do do something like Hot Wheels because that was mm. just mental and totally unexpected. I don't know how they can surprise us, but I'm mm. sure they've got. I think um, from looking at the map, this is kind of a bit of a tangent, but I'm wondering if um, there are a couple of bridges at the there are, very yeah. north point. I wonder if they're going to factor into it because I haven't actually driven over to them yet, but I'm assuming you can't get onto them or at least far onto them. Okay. Yeah, I wonder if that could be a, a bit there, of an so. entry point into another area. But they could do something like the Isle of Wight or, you know, mm. oh, yeah. Guernsey or Jersey or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. they could add another zone linked to the bridge. That's probably the intention, isn't it? Just it seems what is on the new zone. Yeah. Okay, cool. We got another one. He says it's from Rob Hester. He says Gran Turismo used to be the king of racing games, and now it's Forza. What did Forza get so right that people love, and/or what is Gran Turismo doing so wrong this gen? Now I've never played Gran Turismo, so I don't really know. So, so Gran Turismo is kind of the the original racing sim, I guess, on PlayStation. Wasn't yeah, it? but I think the big thing for Gran Turismo is the fact they just not released one. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. I think they released the first one last year, was it, this gen? Mm-hmm. Well, they released, they were hyping up for ages when they released some kind of cut-down demo of it uh, years ago. <laughs> that was PlayStation 3, I think. Um, right. It was yeah, like Gran Turismo over Prologue or something. <laughs> I just don't think they've done enough games. Files has got it pretty well mapped out you've got like horizon and then motorsports you've got the best of both worlds as well i guess if you don't like the more simmy just racing around a certain circles to be honest i think that's probably the key factor overall because you've got like more casual people can go for forza horizon and then people that absolutely like door racing well into it want a simulation they can go for the proper motorsport side of it but again you can tweak either of them to Play how you want. So yeah. So is Gran Turismo more of a simmy type game? Yeah, then? yeah. It's yeah. more races in a menu. You go through, pick a race, do that race, and doesn't have that open world aspect of something like Horizon. Yeah. I see. I wonder if Turn Ten get annoyed the fact that I mean Horizon's clearly the bigger, better regarded game now. Mm. I wonder if it annoys them. The- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess they're still making a bit of money off it, so uh, yeah, can't get true. that annoyed, can they? <laughs> <laughs> clearly, uh, the whole point of Horizon is to be more accessible to to other people. So, 
I, I yeah. doubt they're surprised. So in terms of Gran Turismo <laughs> doing so wrong this gen, then it's that they haven't released enough games. Yeah. Maybe haven't switched things up enough. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of amazing racing games, though. <laughs> yeah. We'll move this on is- to... Another one that we did this week. It's a nice little segue into Super Street the Game, which we streamed on Tuesday. I think. Sounds like a super yeah. game. Uh, it is um, uh, <laughs> not that super, but I will explain it. Um, Mediocre Street the Game. It's a little street racing game. It's kind of more, I would compare it more to a game than Need for Speed games. It's yeah. um, A lot of the game is about pimping out your car. And like adding ridiculous neons and uh, body kit and stuff to it, uh-huh. so it is a little bit, you know, of an abstraction from the actual racing. But um, yeah, it's a little street racing game. You, you're in basically normal style races. You you start your race as soon as the game launches. So like literally hitting the A button it puts you straight into a race. And yeah, you it's not there's not much unique about the game it's very similar to the need for speed games and one of the unique things i think is that when you take damage from hitting stuff you really you really do take damage like all the bits of your car can fly off so like you can finish the race and you've just basically got like a skeleton of a car with an engine no, nothing left but the engine and the seats kind of thing which is quite a funny. chassis for everybody listening <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can tell i know so much about cars um <laughs> Yeah, I think so. That that was a like a kind of a cool part of it. It's like like your car is like a in the game. It's basically a just a collection of different objects, and each of the objects has its own physics. So everything can fall off, which is quite cool. You've got nitro boost and stuff. All the kind of normal street racy type things. I pimped out my car a lot. I put pink neons on it. Get some underglow some, kits as well, don't you? Yeah put some uh, ridiculous body kit on it mm-hmm. gave it a spoiler big rims <laughs> big rims <laughs> no I, I didn't get big rims um, uh the, the weird thing is is that i wanted to give it a paint job because it starts off as like this really dirty horrible looking thing uh-huh. and then the paint job cost two grand cool. so everything else was cheaper um so i had neons body kit and a spoiler <laughs> but the car just paint job just looked disgusting because i couldn't afford it <laughs> so it just looked ridiculous but there you go so um, you described what it did half well yeah the so the brake is a break yeah <laughs> so i think that's the big takeaway is that you can't break basically <laughs> is that just due to not upgrading the brakes is that something you could yeah i think that's probably it it's just like we probably if we'd increase the performance of the car mm-hmm. then it might have been better you're right but from the start point of the game, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Okay, like, so, so you hit the A button then and you're straight into a race. And is that yeah. like kind of a, a A to B point race or is it? A it was laps, laps, I think. Okay. Yeah, there were different race modes. There was obviously sprints, laps. Um, there was an elimination as well. So and again, one at the back of the pack gets other, knocked out. Some other car pimpers. Yes. <laughs> um, just yeah. from watching the stream, you could tell that the... The handling was like crazily twitchy. Yeah, it was just, like way too overdone. Just you way start too to stare one way, and then you're correcting, and like he was just like swerving up and down the road, like try to like couple himself. couple that with the fact that it's basically the cars, the brake cables in your car have been cut, um, mm-hmm. 
and you're just sliding around like you're on ice. You try and take a corner, which you think you can take, and you just like your car, either your car 360s because you've over oversteered, uh-huh. or the brakes just don't kick in and you smash into the wall pretty much every time. So, yeah, I think maybe the takeaway is uh, focus more on how good the racing feels and less on being able to add some Modify ridiculous yeah. Yeah, <laughs> stuff to your car. So I've, t- looking I've tinted at- my windows, but I can't brake. So. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, looking at the game on Metacritic and Open Critic, it's it's not been well received. Okay. I'll say that about it, which is a bit weird because we played it at Gamescom. They had a big old stand there and loads of people queuing up for it. But when I didn't play it, Rich played it, but he had it on like a, a steering wheel and everything set up. So I'm wondering if it just doesn't translate very well to the controller because it seems to handle really well when Rich was driving it, but just on the controller. Just, that's something about Rich's driving skills. Uh... Yeah, but then he he drove it on with oh, the controller okay. and was just mm. oh that's that's when I really noticed how twitchy was because I think Rich started playing it first and just on the first straight you 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 think you're adjusting a tiny little bit and you go swerving off and then it's like try to correct it yeah. and you can't and then you hit something and everything crashes and falls apart yeah funny thing was we were both pressing y uh, every time we crashed uh, to begin with to try and <laughs> to uh, rewind which is uh something forza's affected us both with <laughs> i guess <laughs> um but yeah i don't know if not too much more to say about that we got three achievements and i think I won't be playing that game again. But, um, <laughs> you know. Another game that you streamed on Tuesday, will you be playing Construction Simulator 2 again? Maybe. Probably more likely than the first one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about that one, Jack? Yeah, sure. So this game is a bit of an odd one, so it sounds a bit mundane. But we actually got quite into it. <laughs> by the end of it <laughs> so I, I didn't realize this until i uh, looked at the store description for it but it is actually a mobile game that's now made onto the xbox one uh, in the game where you take on the role of a construction company you pick a character at the start and then you talk to a guy called peter that then lets you call him pete <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> i take it they made a big thing yeah they did it was a bit weird <laughs> So you had some kind of dialogue going over the screen. There was a little bit of a tutorial. It put you in a van and you had to drive to a certain location. And then it gave you your first construction job. You had to go and collect a digger from a van hire place, then drive it to a house and dig a hole. Mm. <laughs> Which yes. um, it, it, We had it on the arcade. Um, hang on, there's somebody tapping in the corridor. Uh, we had the controls on the arcade style, and they seemed pretty difficult still. Um, so you, well, I think I just couldn't I couldn't understand them to begin with, but I, I got the hang of it. I, um, to be honest, I think they'd done a really good job of mapping a set of really complex and varied controls to a controller yeah. with only a few buttons in reality. Uh, but we had to drive to a location. We parked up the digger, then we stabilized it, and that puts it into the mode where you're actually controlling the... It was for backhoe mm-hmm. on the digger. And you can use the left and the right sticks in conjunction with each other to kind of extend the arm and roll the bucket and stuff like that. And there was another button to push to flip the controls on the sticks to a set of secondary actions, which then gave you the ability to kind of do some other things. 
Uh, dig of a hole took quite a while. <laughs> was it a big hole? It uh, was quite big. I needed yeah. to lay some pipes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. So um, after we dug the hole, though, we had to go and buy a pallet of pipes, went off and bought those, and then we had to switch vehicles, which was quite neat. So you're, you have a character, but you, I don't think you could actually get outside of your vehicle and walk around, but you could just fast travel between all of the vehicles you had independently on the map. So we fast traveled to our van, went and picked up these pipes, then brought them back to the construction site, then changed back into the um, digger and picked up the pipes, laid one of them in the ground. Then I can't remember if we... Um, uh, then you use the um, the front end ah. of... Is it the front hoe? Yeah, I don't know. The, the, front, <laughs> but, um, the front blade, wasn't it? I don't know. The front blade. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, you spin around your thing and you pick up all the dirt and put it back in the hole. Yep. Simple. Simple. Um, it's it quite interesting. It's actually a lot more fun than I expected it to be. Yeah, it's uh, oddly satisfying. And I think that's what I'd call it. Oddly scored achievements in it. So we managed to unlock uh, three achievements in our hour for 24 gamer score. Wow. <laughs> Staying away from it was, that it was interesting though, and we only kind of played around with two of the vehicles in it mainly, but there are over forty vehicles in there properly licensed and stuff like that. It does seem like it has quite a lot of content. It seemed um, yeah. relatively well made. But Yeah, I mean for what it is, it's like apart from the fact that it's a construction simulator, mm-hmm. like it wasn't badly made no. at all. Um as you said, there's loads of vehicles to choose from, mm-hmm. and it seemed fairly well pulled off, even though we only really did one mission. Yeah, we only scratched the surface, I guess. We also messed around with a few of the different vehicles. We had a cement mixer. Mm-hmm. You, you could basically, past a certain point, you could rent any of the vehicles you wanted. So we just rented a cement uh, thing, which we tried to start dispensing cement all over the roads, but <laughs> it did, didn't, didn't allow us didn't to do us. that. Yeah. Mess around with the forklift as well. Try to pick up a portaloo. Yep, that didn't work. We bought standard sixty-four portaloos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just turned into dominoes, knocking them over. But... We we found a, a way to make it fun, I guess. Yeah, you can say that. So I'll do the last one, I guess, which is Ghana. And I guess the best way to describe it is a two D roguelike. Um, shooting game with kind of platforming elements. That's a bit of a jumble of genres, but I think it's fairly accurate. You're a little man, a skeleton man, who kind of drops into randomly generated levels with like a few different enemy types. You've got a gun, which you can only shoot left and right, which I thought was interesting. It's like, I don't know how many other games do that now, where you can only shoot in a linear way, left or right. It kind of adds to the other parts of the game like because you can only kill enemies by shooting them or jumping on their heads. So if you want to kill an enemy above you, then you have to basically jump on it or jump so that you can shoot it horizontally, which kind of makes the gameplay a bit more interesting. And it's like Mario. You can kind of jump infinitely on enemies' heads to kill them. Um, And yeah, it kind of loads you into the world. You keep progressing through the levels and they're all randomly generated as i said and super short as well so you yeah like kind of jumping through some kind of worm-like monster and just you almost vomited out of its mouth in a sense you yeah. just kind of make it to the other one and you don't yeah. have to kill all of the enemies to progress no you don't but the enemies have a chance to drop these little rune things um which you can 
spend basically before the boss levels there's a little shop which you can spend your runes at which gives you more weapons and there's a bunch of different upgrades like you can have a higher jump or a jump where you like have lower gravity if you see what i mean and a jetpack which we never worked out how to use but there's seem to be a few different upgrades which kind of stick with you after you die so one of ones we had a different head on our character um, and it looked like a castle crash's head. It was kind of a little bit taller, but that only gave us three lives, but it seemed to up the amount of damage we did. Um, whereas a small yeah. head gave us five, but we did a lot less damage. A lot less, yeah. But I think the biggest, like the most satisfying part of it for me was um, just jumping on heads all day. Uh, if you, 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 There'll be like 20 enemies in a group you could fall in from above them and just jump on all of their heads in in succession. It's really satisfying. And I think there was an achievement, wasn't there, for jumping, like killing 20 enemies in a row by jumping on their heads? Yeah, jumping on 20 different enemies in a row, yeah. which was probably the only Huge. achievement we were potentially going to get but didn't <laughs> manage to. Yeah, we didn't get any. No. Well, I, I enjoyed the game, though. It's for the price tag as well, I think it's like seven pounds. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a nice little game. Yeah, it was a very nice art style, and it felt difficult, but not wildly difficult. I think if you just kind of sat down and put a couple of hours into it, you could definitely make some good progression. Let's round up what we've been playing. Last night, I played Life is Strange 2, the first episode released. I think it was Wednesday. I won't go crazy in depth on it because I don't want to spoil it for people. Mm-hmm. So far, the two characters, these uh, two young brothers, Sean and Daniel, seem quite interesting. You, they're kind of still learning about them and stuff throughout the game. It's probably the first episode took me, I think, two hours, ten minutes to finish off. Similar kind of style to first season, I suppose it is, where the collect it's full of collectible achievements that are kind of missable, so you're going to have to go back through through like a chapter select or kind of watch a guide. Mac has got a guide on YouTube. I think Sam did a picture guide that's on True Trophies if you prefer that over videos. And neither of them are particularly spoilery. They just kind of point to where they are when you're in this particular location. So you can do that without really worrying about spoiling any story or anything. But good so far. It's got everything that I'd expect from a Life is Strange game and Looking forward to trying chapter two. We kind of revealed a few things right at the very end, so it's left it on a bit of a cliffhanger, which is okay. really annoying. You know? And have they got released in just, chapter two yet? I think I've saw somewhere a schedule at some point, but if it, if they did release it, I can't remember it. But hopefully, it won't be too long. Okay. And achievement wise, this one, like a lot of the episodic games that are coming out now, it, all the achievements were here once. We got 47 achievements overall across five episodes. It's kind of a standard, it's similar to the old Life is Strange, um, where you had to take photographs, so you had collectible achievements, and this has um, pictures instead. And it has a platinum-style achievement, you were saying. It's got a, two weird achievements. It's got one for 50 gamer score that you unlock once you've finished all the episodes, and then there's a zero gamer score achievement for unlocking all the other achievements, <laughs> which generally the ones that glitch, aren't they? They're the ones that <laughs> don't unlock, so fingers crossed it unlocks properly. But yeah, 
it is good. If you like Life is Strange, definitely check it out. And if you don't, maybe have a look at some of the trailers. They've kind of revealed bits of like the intro of the story and trailers over the past month or two since Gamescom. So check it out, see what you think. Speaking of episodic games, the massive story this week that's kind of been rumbling on since last Friday, should like probably shortly after we finished recording last week's podcast, kind of Friday afternoon, rumours started circulating that Telltale Games, obviously the people behind lots of episodic games like The Walking Dead and the Batman games. So the rumours started emerging that they'd laid off the vast majority of the staff. It later emerged, they kind of put out a, a, an official press release later on saying that, yes, that had actually happened and they've only kept on 25 employees. So I think that was around about 175 employees, something like that, that they actually laid off. Yeah. Things have emerged this week. After then, like they were just kind of hours notice and no severance and stuff like that. So it's really not good for those people. Telltale Jobs was trending for a couple of days, you know, with other studios kind of sharing their vacancies and things like that. So hopefully a lot of them people might have found somewhere to go, fingers crossed. But then that kind of affects the game, The Walking Dead, the final season, because the timing of it probably couldn't have been worse. The second episode of that released this week then there was like the up in the air is that game gonna get finished is it not yeah we've got a question about that if you would let me read it he's from over hunter and he says will this is actually question of the week as well so congratulations okay. to you he says will with telltale games the walking dead the final season pulled from the store do you think they will re-add it if not where will the walking dead final season go or what company should work on the final season or, or do you think they should redo it all which... All right. So to clarify, there was this is there was like more news happening throughout the week. So after the second season or second episode released, you could I managed to download it because I've got the season pass for it. But it, it later emerged that they'd pulled that from the store. They'd pulled the season pass from the store. You you couldn't pick it up anywhere. I think uh, another store, another I think it was one of the PC stores showed a message that said Telltale had actually asked them to put a temporary pause on sales. So I'm guessing that's so people can't buy the season pass and play the two episodes and then claim a refund because they didn't think the other two were coming. And then there was another announcement from Telltale a few days later that said basically some partners have offered to help out to finish the last two episodes. Yeah, it basically answers the question, doesn't it? Um, well, I tweet out and said, yeah, they're going to have help finishing it. From well, who we thing. don't know. So, I think it will get re-added if they do manage to work out some kind of deal with these partners to actually finish the other two episodes. The problem is, though, they've laid off all the staff apart from 25, and the 25 are working on bringing the Minecraft thing to, to Netflix. Okay. <laughs> all things. Well. So they're not not—they're definitely not working on The Walking Dead. So where are they going to so – all the, all the people who are behind this, you know, the people who wrote the stories, the animators, all that kind of thing are gone. Yeah. So even if somebody does, like, offer to help out and pay for it, 
the vast majority of that staff have probably gone now, you know, either found other jobs or maybe not willing to come back after the way it ended and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a, it's just a huge question mark at the moment. Like, So had they started, like, developing it or would it be basically, like, is it half finished or something? I, I, I don't really know the situation, but is, is that the case? I'm guessing it's in some... Yeah. form of because at the end of every episode when you play one it'll kind of you know give you like a, a teaser to what's happening yeah in the next episode and and the, that's kind of cut scenes and things like that from the next episode so i i don't know how they work it because they'll, they'll sometimes some of the older series did leave a couple of months before they released the next episode so they must be working on it in some way over that otherwise they just release them bang on a month or a week or whatever they want to do. So there's obviously some work to be done. Yeah. I mean, if they've got the entire story planned out, then, you know, it might be achievable because, you know, you just need to, you know, kind of read what the story's going to be and then execute it. Yeah. But, yeah, as you say, it's a difficult situation. Bit of a mess, but... It is. I mean, I heard someone talking about, like, the the profit or the uh, turnover of Telltale. And apparently it's been just basically plummeting for years. It's just kind of sad. Yeah, well, they kind of hit hit it off the bat, didn't they, with the first season of The Walking Dead? And I, I remember when that came out, like it wasn't really, I didn't watch the TV show at the time or anything like that. Yeah. So it wasn't something I was interested in. But everywhere people were talking about it, you know, every podcast to do with gaming, all the forums were just people like, gushing over this game saying how good it was so that's how, how I got into him but I don't think they've had that same impact since then with the stuff even though a lot of it's been good like the Borderlands stuff was great I just don't think it's yeah. sold as well and I think was it last year was it like November last year I remember him laying off like I don't know it might have been like around about 90 people or something like that and you know saying they were gonna okay stop doing this kind of scattergun approach where they were doing four or five different games a year and they were going to kind of concentrate on a few key ones so there's obviously been something in not going right from for a while sure uh, it's quite sad news um i has, i haven't actually played any of their games but i've seen loads of videos of them and like, as you say people have loved them or at least they love the walking dead so yeah and we have a, another question about um about telltale and it says it's from tyler and it says with Telltale Games going under, is this the end of point-and-click games? Which is quite a big statement, I think. But um, <laughs> I don't think it's the end of point-and-click games. Nah, You've got lots no. of think, stuff uh, to play else. I think other studios are branching out now, and I think games are getting less kind of traditional point-and-clicky, but you've got stuff like Life is Strange, haven't you? Which just came out, yeah. entirely different studio. Um, there's the Witcher, is it the Th- uh, Breaker? Which yeah, is, I don't know if that is sounds like sounds it's going like to be point is. and click. Yeah. So does as po- for point and click as a genre, you know, like the Artifacts Monday games, yeah. they're point and click, but they're just completely different type of game. To, yeah, they're like static, yeah. static screens. Mm-hmm. That's it's kind of weird because that's what I thought the point and click genre was. I didn't yeah, think well, like you would call a Telltale game a point and click game. Well, kind of back in the day, it's kind of like stuff like Monkey Island, which is kind of more what we're stepping towards again now, isn't it? Where you've got yeah. lots of point and clicking on the actual screen, but then you've got limited control of your character to move between scenes. 
so everything's almost framed up still in a in a scene if that makes sense I think that's the same with Walking Dead like you'll end up in the first season in a shop or on a farm I see. That's, okay. that's almost a, a less static scene yeah. than something from Artifacts Monday but you're still almost constrained to there with kind of limited things you can do I see okay I think as well, maybe a problem for Telltale is that they didn't have any of their own IP. It was all licensed stuff, which obviously I can't imagine came cheap to license The Walking Dead and Batman and things like that. Whereas at least with, say, Life is Strange or The Council's another one that's been released now, it's their own IP, so they haven't got to pay all that royalty out on top of the development and all that kind of wonder if the format of the release and episodes kind of affected it as well because i think a lot of people especially like my brain i was like well i could buy the first episode now or it, similarly i do this with tv shows as well I, I could watch the first episode now or i could wait for them all to be out and then play them all in one go or watch them all in one go so i was opposite because i really liked the game so i was like oh gotta play this now kind of probably if 50-50 on some of the ones like Minecraft and stuff like that. But, you know, like easy gamer score and 200 gamer score, like a little mini completion. And the stories are all right. But I, I don't know. The, it's the like, people... They, they always used to do a sale before. You see, they'd want you to buy the season pass to get all five episodes. And you could guarantee that at some point before the last episode had been released, it'd be on sale. So, Every so time. I wonder if people got into the mindset that that was going to happen. So they were just holding off. So they weren't maybe getting the initial influx of cash or whatever that they needed. There's got to be some people doing that. Cause like I was too stupid to do it, but I knew it'd be on sale. I like, guaranteed it'd be on sale at some point before you got, you got your money's worth I, from your own season. I wonder if the, they released like the ultimate collection and a load of bundles earlier this year. Do you think that was a precursor to this maybe? Yeah, attempt to pull yeah. back a bit of bit of money in the meantime. But crazy, I always thought they were massive. Like I don't know why. I mean, the games aren't particularly like huge budget, are they? When you would look at, no. But, but in terms of popularity, there's a lot of people that are yeah are playing them. Just that, yeah. But it's a weird. One. I don't think point and click games are going. No. I think Artifacts Monday and stuff like that, and people who can release their own IPs are probably going to do. Well, if the game's mm-hmm. engaging enough and enough for people to want to play it, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think um, Walking Dead is probably one of the biggest point-and-click games ever, which is kind of a big blow for the genre, I guess. Yeah, but um, yeah, as you say, there's plenty of other choices. It's just not like it's not like at the forefront of gaming, really, and it never really has been. But um, the pop- yeah. popularity, play point and click game, popularity of the TV show went down as well, didn't it? So yeah, and at first yeah. it kind of it had it was a tiny, tiny bit of overlap. But I wonder if um, something now, especially a franchise, if it'd do better if it was a companion to another piece of media, like a film had just came out. And yeah, because they did that with Game of Thrones, didn't they? They released that kind of around the time that. Mm-hmm. Whichever season it was of Game of Thrones was just airy. So you're building on that hype and, that's already there. Yeah. And it was kind of not the same characters as in the TV show, but it had kind of connections to some of them and things like that. Okay, so another thing that happened this week, 
and it was kind of related to Forza because they did this big Goodwood mm-hmm. event thing where they had lots of high powered cars and Major Nelson was there and Aaron Greenberg and all the big people from Xbox were there. And they did the inside Xbox from the, for this month's inside Xbox from England for a nice change. And there was quite a few things revealed on that stream. So first up, they revealed the games with gold titles for October. So we're going to get Overcooked, Victor Vran, Stuntman Ignition, and Hitman Blood Money. Any of you know anything about them? Any you recommend? Overcooked is a good game. We streamed Overcooked 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good game. If you haven't played Overcooked or Overcooked 2, definitely hop on that one. It's really good. Yeah, yeah second that one. Good to play with uh, friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about the others. Uh, I know Hitman's quite popular. Yeah, uh, Victor Varan, we played on the stream. It's a top-down action RPG. Uh, it seemed okay, quite a lot of content. Um, some of the achievements seem a bit long-winded, but another one to definitely keep an eye on. It looked like you could do parkour in it as well. I watched a bit of the stream. It looked like it's kind of isometric, but then you can just jump up stuff, like jump off the walls like a platformer, which is quite cool. Cool mix. Uh, there was also... October's Xbox Game Pass editions were announced. And I've got to say, this was a, a pretty cracking looking list. So we're going to get Forza Horizon 4, obviously, which is going to come on the 2nd of October. And then uh, start of the month, we're going to get Wolfenstein The New Order. It's a fantastic game. Definitely worth checking out. Exactly. Metro 2033 Redux. Not a fan of Metro, but I know a lot of people are. So that's going to get. A lot of people playing that one for definite. Westerado Double Barrels, that was a stream you did that was like the... Oh, that game. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, uh, Westerado <laughs> is a little top-down Western game where you're just running around oh, doing quests oh. and stuff. I remember this was Adult yes, Swim. Yes, Adult Swim, it? and Adult initially Swim. it did have some broken achievements, but it's worth noting that they fixed all of those now, so you can complete the game. Okay. So another good one, uh, Shanti Half Genie Hero. Mm-hmm. I know that's got a bit of a cult following. And then on the 360, obviously back compact, we've got Lego Indiana Jones Original Adventures and uh, Split Second, which is a racing yeah, game. Yeah, both good games. Um, Split Second's got a bit of online, but easily boostable. So a great month yeah. for Game Pass. Yeah, I will be using that for Forza Horizon 4 for sure. <laughs> that rhymed. Um. <laughs> so another thing to come out of that inside xbox was uh microsoft have announced xo18 which is going to be their own little private press conference type thing similar to the the playstation one that they do it's going to be in mexico city on november the 10th and 11th and uh, in the stream, when Phil Spencer was talking about this, he said, uh, expect some major announcements from both first and third party. Ooh. This sounds pretty exciting. Their own kind of private show for two days. of Yeah. The fact that they've highlighted first and third party titles, that's what's kind of got me on the edge of my seat. I'm just hoping it's not another crackdown yeah. delay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting. So not long to wait for that. And, Hopefully, it kind of gives us some idea of what we can expect to see next year. And straight away, as soon as it was kind of announced, I saw people going, it's going to be Splinter Cell. Mm-hmm. People are still set. It's, just, it's a great time period to have it because it's it's kind of after a lot of the, just after a lot of the big titles have released. And usually, 
that's kind of the end of the year, but this is almost priming you for the start of next year. There's something between E3 this year and next year, and yeah, hopefully some good info will come out of it. Yeah, I think, didn't they used to do this years ago? Like, it, it was a, a big thing, like in the 360 days, this XO thing, and then they just kind of stopped it and ignored it. So let's keep our fingers crossed, eh? Mm-hmm. Hopefully some good news. Another thing that came out of Inside Xbox, there was loads on it, and it was just a ridiculous time of night, I think, for us, so none of us actually watched it live. But Phil Spencer also confirmed that mouse and keyboard support is actually coming to Xbox Insiders like very soon in the coming weeks. That's actually so, quite big news, isn't it? Yeah, so they're going to test it with just one game to start with. It's going to be Warframe. Oh, okay. And they've, they announced some like partnerships with Razer and things like that, but I'm pretty certain any kind of USB wired or wireless key- mouse and keyboard will work with this, which is cool. I don't know about you, but like this, I saw some people commenting on it, you know, straight away. I think he kind of said it was going to be a developer kind of choice. They can choose whether they want to include mouse and keyboard or not. And I know a lot of people straight away thought, oh, do you know, mouse and keyboard players will just destroy yeah. first-person shooters. Seems to be like a lot that. of negativity from people that just hadn't read it or listened to <laughs> listened to the information. Well, I don't know. It's like, I suppose Activision could put it into Call of Duty, but I don't see why they would if it's just going to really Yeah, well, them, well know, if it's going to unbalance it. But one of the key things that Phil yeah. touched on was that it's down to the developer. If they want to introduce something like this, they can have lobbies that support keyboard and mouse and controller if they want to. But equally, it's because it's their choice, they could have they could limit players and kind of segregate them in a sense. So it's just keyboard people playing against keyboard people, just controller people playing against controller people. Yeah, so you can that's have, definitely the way to go for PvP yeah, games. You can have isn't the it? best of both worlds, and then if you did want mixed lobbies and you didn't really care, you're just there for a bit of fun, not too competitive, then maybe they could have that as well. So it comes True. down to if the developers um, implement it properly for their user base, I guess. So it's not something to get angry yeah. at Microsoft about. <laughs> um, but the, there are definitely games that it would suit. For sure. I mean, we were saying before the street, uh, before the podcast, um, that pretty much all any RTS game, um, where you have to manage loads of different things like city skylines or, um, yeah, there's a game we played on stream. I think it was something about Mars, terraforming Mars or something, yeah. which surviving, surviving Mars. Mars. That's it. It's made by the same devs as uh, Skylines. Yeah. Um, but those kind of games, you, you're just begging for a mouse and keyboard. Yeah. Anything basically. where you, you need to map specific actions to buttons or need a high actions per second yeah yeah even things like just you know laying out a road in city skyline on a controller mm-hmm. it's really finicky you know to get it to snap exactly where you want it where mouse and keyboards just yeah simple so it? two games that jumped to my mind straight away were sims 4 and shopkeep and these were both games that were on the pc first i think and they effectively ported to console and shopkeep it yeah you i can't quite remember it because i only played it for a couple of minutes because the kind of controls just didn't work for it everything was tiny and you were controlling a reticule on the screen so you're effectively controlling a mouse with your controller it just didn't work and similarly sims 4 i've heard that feels like it's just keyboard and mouse still but one of the main drawbacks that I read for reviews for the game was just like it wasn't they hadn't mapped the 
the controls over very yeah. well to the controller i mean hopefully it'll give them the best of both worlds but um, something else i was thinking about is do you think uh, with this being officially supported they all change the consoles in any way so you know with the old school controllers it started off and it didn't have a headphone jack on it and then a headphone jack now appears on the new models yeah. i'm wondering if they're gonna change the xbox one x or the original xbox or the xbox s so the two USB ports from the front instead. Yeah, because there's only one in Well, the thing is, I plug my Xbox directly into my PC screen, so I sw- switch between them. Um, right. And at that point, I would need to either change my keyboard every time over to the Xbox or <laughs> get two sets of keyboard and mouse on the same desk. Uh, yeah. So I think I, I'm definitely for it. I would definitely use it. Um, but yeah, there's some some drawbacks i suppose um i think what the biggest advantage is if it if it works and works well we might see some games that otherwise wouldn't come to xbox yeah stuff like you know age of empires is yeah. probably the, the the one that i could think of straight maybe off a proper civ game there's loads of possibilities like that really kind of pc centric games yeah. even stuff like football manager and yeah. stuff like that the really fiddly little kind of screens that the Xbox would be able to run easily. Probably even the normal Xbox would probably run it without any trouble. Even things like uh, MMO style games, sorry. Yeah, League of Legends and Dota. I was in touch yeah. on the exact same thing. I mean, we've got Smite on the console already. Um, but Yeah, but it's surprising considering it seems to be quite popular that you know League of Legends and Dota haven't taken the effort to bring it over. So maybe that is something it's just they can't get it to work on a, on a controller or something. For like sure. That. All those kind of games, like um, those heavy RPGs as well, like um, the one I play, Neverwinter, like that could really benefit from, even though the, the way they've done Neverwinter for a controller is still pretty good, um, it can definitely yeah. benefit from playing it with a keyboard and mouse. So we played Star Trek Online on a console, didn't we, Dave, at Gamescom a few years back? You remember the <laughs> yeah. keyboard mappings for that? Again, they'd done them really well um, because a controller's limited. But you had to, you had kind of like an action, and then you could scroll through to another action, and then it come up with a radial menu. Where yeah. you pick another action, and then another radial <laughs> menu from there. It's yeah. Kind of just ridiculous. And as well, if you if you're doing something that's kind of in real time, do you know when you're switching between radial menus and stuff, even on normal games where you like Assassin's Creed, where you used to be able to you know switch weapons on the radial menu when it, the game kind of pause, you, you quite often end up selecting the wrong thing. So if it's something that you got to do in real time, it just doesn't lend itself at all, does it? All that kind of mm-hmm. faff. We did get a question about keyboard and mouse support from Andrew. Yeah. It, we've basically answered your question, Andrew. I'm sorry, I didn't read it. But he says, what are your thoughts on the addition of keyboard and mouse? Uh, do you think it will affect PvP as much as everyone says? And if so, how do, how do developers make sure everyone remains on a level playing ground? Um, yeah. we yes. did kind so of basically that, I, I think it's effectively lobbies and making sure that there's a choice of if a player wants to go up against keyboard players on a controller let them do it if if they just want to play against other controller users or other keyboard users let them do that too it'll only affect it if the developer intends to affect yeah. it I guess they've got the option to not let it affect so yeah I think for FPS especially it's a bit big controversy because people will get annoyed when you know someone with a mouse and keyboard can like mm. have a lot more control but, about 
you know, I how think they I can have a uh, much shorter cable on my keyboard as well, so there's less delay between the me pushing the key. <laughs> <laughs> and then another big, big announcement this week. So it's just been flying in this week. Big games, big news. This was out of a blue as well. Sony, yeah. Yesterday, Sony uh, officially backtracked on their stance on cross-play between other consoles. So Fortnite, they've allowed cross-play with the PC and they've allowed cross-play with mobile mobile and PC, but they won't let you join games with Xbox One and Nintendo Switch players. Yesterday, they officially backtracked on that and said they're going to think it's like a beta at the moment. I don't know how you join that beta. If it's just a beta for everybody. Um, but now, they basically, you can play with your friends on PlayStation on pretty much any device on Fortnite now, which I think is a massive change for gaming. I think, like, in... 10 years' time, people remember this and think, wow, could you really not play with other people on other yeah. consoles? Yeah, it's a big step forward, isn't it? It's um, it's massive. Yeah, it's huge. Like, I, 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 I don't know if I've spoken about this before, but I didn't realise how restrictive it was. My son, when we got the PS4 for Spider-Man, he wanted to play Fortnite on the PS4. And just having the same email address linked to his PSN ID that he's got on his Fortnite account automatically locked him out of playing, do you know, of having it on Xbox crossplay or anything right. like that. Yeah. Just just because them two email addresses are the same, it just went, nope, that's it. You've linked it now to a PlayStation and you can't play with anybody else. So we had to faff around creating new email addresses yeah. just to make a new account on Fortnite just to, so he could play with somebody on a PC again on is Xbox. It's really restrictive, and there just doesn't seem to be a reason for it. Really, I mean, obviously they had their reasons, no. but yeah, they, I mean, they, they said for Minecraft it was things like safety on their network and stuff like that. But I don't know these big games. I think safety's, especially when a lot of children are playing these games anyway. I think safety's at like the forefront of Microsoft, Xbox, like Xbox, Nintendo, PC, and the companies making the games as well. But yeah, hopefully it's a successful test because obviously other games that they don't do this with like Rocket League, Minecraft, Paladins, just some. So let's see. Hopefully it's successful and maybe next year we'll all be playing Battlefield with our friends on PlayStation. (laughs) Um, It kind of links into the mouse and keyboard thing, but I don't think people care as much about it on Fortnite as they do on uh, more like hardcore FPS games. But they're all playing like console versus PC and all the all the rest of it, but uh, no one seems to be too outraged yeah, about it. And as well, I saw yesterday, because it was something I thought of straight away about like my son's account being locked out. Epic kind of put out a statement last night, I think it was, saying that they're working on ways where you're going to be able to merge two Epic accounts together or, you know, unlink mm-hmm. from the PlayStation to remove the restriction and link everything back together again. So if you have had to faff about to do this, then Epic's working on a way where you can just have one account and simplify the whole thing. Oh, that's, which is good. that's nice, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's um, it can only be a success for everyone involved, really. It's, it's good for Fortnite, it's good for PlayStation, and it's good for all the other consoles. So it's like, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. It's basically a net positive for everyone, really. And we got a question from Tyler as well. Yeah, Tyler M. He says, do you feel PlayStation's decision to allow crossplay on Fortnite as being a step into the right direction? 
or one that will see Xbox and PlayStation and even the Switch players still remain separated in the vast majority of games. I think, as I just said, it's definitely a step in the right direction. It can only be a good thing, really, in my view. Um, yeah, I think it's yeah. a step in the right direction, as you say. Hopefully more and kind of bigger titles will follow suit with it. I don't know how many will. Don't expect something like Call of Duty to allow crossplay at any point soon. But maybe if enough other games do it, they'll almost force their hand in a way. It's it's not just the crossplay aspects as well. It's like everything. Say that you like if my son transferred and linked to PlayStation, all the stuff he has in games, you know, all the the weapons and stuff that he's bought already, kind of transfer over there. So I suppose for so it's kind of a cross transfer console, of data as well, and kind of a global account. But yeah, yeah. So I suppose for some of these companies, like obviously PlayStation and Xbox take a little bit of a cut, you know, from sales on the store and stuff like that. So there's that issue to figure out between them all. Hopefully, like I say, in five, ten years' time, we'll all just be, no matter what platform you own, you'll all be just be able to yeah. play with your friends. Yeah, that's definitely what it's going towards or what it should go towards. Um, and, yeah. By then, every console will uh, support mouse and keyboard. So everyone's just basically <laughs> playing on mm-hmm. the same thing. Um, Apart from me, because I just end up looking at the buttons going, I can't <laughs> do all this. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> That's it for the main news. Like I say, it's been a, a pretty spectacular week for yeah. news all around. Crazy. Uh, we got some back compatibility. Yes, just for two this week, we've got Call of Juarez Bound in Blood and Call of Juarez for Cartel, both back compat. So you can pick those up and play them now on your Xbox One if you haven't already. So do you think they're just hooking into the uh, hype for Red Dead on the way, considering these are like cowboy-style yeah. yeah. games? I think so. <laughs> hooking into that Western mm. theme. There's just one uh, big addition in terms of achievements this week. Um We've had Call of Duty World War II with the Shadow of War DLC pack with 10 achievements for 500 gamer score. This is the fourth DLC pack. That's um, three new multiplayer maps and a new war mode mission in which you've got to infiltrate an enemy research facility in Austria. Sounds interesting. This week, it's, I don't know, not a massive week for releases. We're going we're gonna to skip over all the, the stuff because people have kind of said in the feedback they didn't want us reading lists. So the only... Real releases of note. We've obviously got FIFA 19 today, which I'm sure you two don't care about at all. I'm going to wait like... up for the uh, the midnight release. Oh, it's already released. I've missed it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you're late. <laughs> FIFA 19 is like going to be my game for the rest of the year. Okay. Whenever I haven't got something else to play FIFA 19. And are you just going to touch the Xbox One version or are you planning on the 362 stacking it? Oh, no, 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 Jesus. I spend enough on Ultimate Team on the Xbox okay. One. I'm not doing it on 360 as well, Jesus. <laughs> My main question is just, when is it going to end? Like, where where does this train stop? Like, I don't know. What Ultimate FIFA Team? Games. No, just FIFA. Yeah. <laughs> FIFA? It's, I it's think football would have to be outlawed for that to happen. Yeah, yeah that's going to happen. It's still, it's still like, even though it's a, a, like an annual release, it's still like one of the mm-hmm. biggest selling games every yeah. year, isn't it? It's fair enough, really. It's and the casual, billions from the casual people that don't yeah. really touch their console apart from when Call of Duty comes out. Kind of people that are really into football. A lot of people just have a console yeah. for that, don't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
I would be if it wasn't for achievements, to be honest. <laughs> I'd play Forza, FIFA and COD probably every year and that'd be me. Next Tuesday for non-Ultimate Edition owners, obviously Forza Horizon 4 releases and it's going to be on Game Pass the same day. A bargain for Game Pass with all them games that are coming on October the 1st and Forza Horizon 4 next Tuesday. You're going to have a rocking month. Very good month. And then the other game, next week we have Mega Man 11, which never a series I got into, but I know people love Mega Man. Yeah, it's a lot of love for this, definitely. All right, that is us for this week. Again, if you have any feedback about what we're doing, let us know, please, because we're going to try and get this somewhere so everybody's happy and really good, and it's an amazing thing. So please leave a comment in the show thread or leave us a message on Twitter or DM us, even if you want to do it privately and tell us how bad or good we are, whatever you want to do. But that is it. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening, and bye. See ya. Catch you later.